Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 111. It's so hard to say those high numbers because it took me so long to get here in almost 10 years. I've got a good friend of mine tonight, uh, one of my, my favorite people in the whole wide world, William Patty. How you doing, William? I'm good, man. How are you, brother? William is so excited to be on Gunfighter Cast tonight. I mean, he's just fired up. He's like, can we do this now? He texts me all day long. He just can't wait to do this episode of Gunfighter Cast. William, who are you and, and what do you do and why are you, you awesome and why should people hear from you? Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, my background's in law enforcement. I'm still a cop in Texas and uh, run a program called Vehicle CQB. Uh, it's basically just one-on-one gunfighting around cars and do some low-light stuff and, and uh, other other assimilated uh, or similar classes for law enforcement. And uh, yeah, man, I don't, that's, that's about it, dude. That's about it. How many classes do you teach a year? Um, about 35 to 40, depending on, depending on how the year rolls. Most of those classes are anywhere from two to five days long. So I don't get the, the opportunity to run many one day classes. So most of the stuff is, uh, occupying the week, um, for the, you know, the law enforcement guy. You have a incredibly busy schedule. So I, I want to ask you these questions, and I know you're like, oh, this is so self-serving, and I'm talking about myself. I hate it. But I, I want everybody to understand the level of expertise you have. And if you're like me, and, and we, we've, we've talked a lot, William, but the um, I, I consider myself on a quest for expertise and, and finding answers to questions and finding new questions to answer those questions. You and what you do, your, your vehicle CQB particularly, who is using that program and, and who's adopted that program? Um, <laughs> well, uh, there's a, there's a couple of federal, federal agencies. Um, uh, we, uh, have a program set up for Michigan state police for NYPD. Um, the Royal Canadian Mount police, uh, recently adopted, um, a decent portion of it to fit into their, uh, three day trainings in service training schedule. Um, Texas DPS is currently running, uh, VCQB. So just, you know, kind of on and on and on. Um, um, yeah. So just got done with uh, California Highway Patrol. I think we got 200 guys or 150 guys somewhere around there. Uh, troopers through, uh, or chippies, I guess is a call them. Yeah. There, uh, through, uh, through that program. So, uh, and it looks like they're going to continue to do that in-house out there. So. Uh, yeah, man, just lucky. I just wanted everybody to understand, you know, the, the credibility building, I guess, wise. Um, so I, I've taken the two-day version of your vehicle CQB course, and I, I tell people it was probably the best two days of training that I have done in the civilian world. It was it was really impressive, and I, I changed the way I looked at vehicles. And that's one of the things you say that people will do in that class. I did. And, you know, it gets a lot of hate on the Internet, and it gets a lot of uh, – uh, love on the internet, a little bit, a little bit of both from, from, I think people who don't understand the context and, and the, uh, the whole reasoning and the attitude behind the, the uses of cover and, and everything else and when it's viable, when it's not. I'm not here to get that across to everybody and, and save William Petty and defend him against his haters because I, I love my haters as much as you love yours. What I want to do is I want to get some of this information across to the listeners and then tell them where they can go get more. Okay. If, uh, when we're talking about cover around a vehicle, uh, what are some of the, the traditional thoughts on that? And, you know, where are you at? Yeah. So uh, if we look at law enforcement, it's kind of it kind of goes in like this vicious, vicious cycle. Right. So um, I started off in 03 out in Albuquerque. And, um, you know, the, the 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 mainstream thought at that time was, hey, if you get into a gunfight around a car, um, which in law enforcement, very high prob- probability. Right. The numbers are, are very uh 
um, very stacked in that manner. Uh, so if you get into a gunfight around a car, uh, you need to run off the car, get off the X, as guys say. And um, the problem with that is guys were getting tagged uh, while they were trying to do that. And uh, you can't outrun around, right? So there are there is time to get off the X. There are times where moving to a better position is is uh, is priority number one, right? Um, but it's not while you're currently being uh, shot at two feet away from a subject uh, on a traffic stop, right? So then uh, then we went to we kind of we kind of morphed it and changed it to where it was. Hey, engine block and, and tires are cover, so use those. The problem with engine block and tires is that the the uh, user, in this case the officer there, had to get very low. Um, and we know that the lower that you go to the ground, right, the more pod committed you become to that spot and the less visibility you have. So um, engine block and tires were, were working, but the problem was people were getting outmaneuvered um, and they weren't seeing what was going on, right? A lot of testimonials of like, hey, you know, I was hiding behind the engine block and all of a sudden, the bad guy was there. Well, the bad guy didn't teleport. That guy just moved and you didn't see it because you were so low to the ground, right? So started working on the, you know, the structural integrity of the car. The car is designed to absorb massive amounts of uh, kinetic energy. The car is designed to do two things. It's designed to get us from point A to point B and to protect the occupants, right? So the car inherently is designed to absorb kinetic energy, uh, just bodies in motion, right? And that uh, uh, what we find is that the structural integrity of the vehicle, so things as such as the pillars and whatnot, um, really are capable of absorbing um, amazing amounts of, of uh, you know, of rounds, right? So uh, we shot today. I'm out with the Corpus Christi squad uh, for the week, and uh, we just got done with, we're on day one, so we always do ballistics on day one. Um, so it helps tie in everything that we're doing after that. I think we got into 115 rounds of 223 B pillar to B pillar before we broke through and got a got a round on the target and by no means am I saying, okay, you're, you're, you know, you're on the other side of the B pillar and you're like, all right, uh, 110, 111, 112. Okay. I got to get moving. Right. Um, but what we do find, what I do, I do do that so that guys can have a realistic expectation of what the car is capable of absorbing. And also that we find the breaking point, right? So when we look at, um, cover, right, uh, from, a, from a ballistic standpoint. I'm not just interested in what it can stop, but I'm interested in the breaking point, right, kind of the, the scientific pursuit. Yeah, a lot of folks look at this thing like, uh, oh, I'm in a concrete wall, or behind a concrete wall, or a center block wall, or a planter downtown. You know, just because it's cover right now doesn't mean it's cover in five seconds. So yeah, it deteriorates. All, all cover breaks, right? And so we're just trying to get you guys to uh, realize what's immediately available. And most people are like, well, you know, the pillars are so small. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's what's immediately available. So why would you not use uh, secondly, when we look at a lot of the newer cars, because NHTSA and the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration continues to um, push the the uh, or the the uh, the crash safety ratings continue to go uh, higher, right? So there's more demanded out of newer vehicles. So what we see is a, a direct correlation between crash safety ratings and um, the ballistic uh, capabilities of the vehicle, right? So contrary to popular belief, a newer car is going to perform better ballistically than an older car, uh, just because it's designed to absorb, uh, you know, uh, higher, it's, the crash ratings are higher. 
Um, so what we generally tend to find is that the newer, on like on the newer cars, the SUVs, you know, you can take a medium size, you know, level three ceramic plate and you can hold it up right up on, onto the V pillar and you're like, oh shit, it's, it's almost the exact same width. I mean, you're looking at the difference of an inch or two, um, in many cases. So, um, just getting guys, but you know, instead of it being a, a, a foot tall, it's five feet tall. So just getting guys to realize that that's immediately available don't need the car to last forever. All points of cover have a breaking point, right? Um, just trying to get you guys to understand what's immediately available. Um, so we're looking at that, that structural integrity of the car and then using that to better your position, right? So I'm not, I'm not opposed to getting off the X. I'm just saying there's a time and a place, right? So I think that's something that does, has come over to the from military side of the house over to law enforcement. Um, and never, never been in the military. Right. So I don't understand that, that side of the, the world. I mean, I kind of got some, you know, uh, uh, an idea, but, uh, certainly couldn't speak to how they operate. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, like you, you are, uh, on traffic stop two o'clock in the morning, right. Or you're with your wife and kids, at the Walmart parking lot. There's no, there's no one laying suppressive fire. There's no one coming to save you. There's, there's no one else in the fight, right. It's you and the asshole. And so using what is immediately available till you can get to something better is, you know, I don't, I don't know anyone that would, uh, that would dispute that somehow though you start trying to throw science into it and, uh, people get, uh, you know, people get a little agitated. So I don't know, I don't know why that is. I think maybe they just don't understand what we're trying to do. It's like anything else in the firearms industry. There's just so much dogma and institutional inertia. If there's ever anybody who says something different than what, the instructor X has said a thousand times, then it must be wrong and we must destroy it. It must be evil. And, uh, I, I cannot even test it and see if it's true because it's not what I've been preaching. So ego, man, the end of everything. So you talked about cover, you know, I, I don't know if you feel comfortable with, with giving everything away here in this class, in this class, uh, in this, this show here, you know, I was pretty surprised at, uh, at what had stopped and I had shot, I'd shot vehicles. I'd shot doors, pillars, uh, windshields. And I had done a small amount of just my shade tree, non-scientific ballistic testing, but I, I, I didn't, but we did some things with some other rounds that I wasn't expecting. What do you see in those pillar stop bullets? Because when I tell people that I have seen 308 armor piercing get stopped by two pillars, they're like, yeah, wh whatever, dude. I think that, and you know, the interesting thing about all of that is that there is so much dogma, but it's so unfounded. It's just somebody, what somebody said, or it doesn't make sense to the person that's hearing it, or hey, I read on the internet, or things like that. But yeah, man, um, today we had, um, today we shot 762 by 39. Um, ball, which is all we had, you know, it was like 123, 124 grains, something like that. Um, stopped B pillar to B pillar. And then we shot, um, uh, 308 match, which, you know, is, is not going to do well on pillars, but still everyone's, you know, everyone says, oh, well, it's 308. It, it's going to do great. Um, but 308, 308 match, um, got, was stopped in the first pillar. Um, and then the 308, 168 grain, uh, federal um, barrier round was stopped in the opposing pillar. So we did that uh, B pillar to A pillar to, to target and was, was stopped in the opposing pillar. And guys are like, well, and so this is the big argument. This is the big argument that cracks me up, right? Guys are like, well, you know, using the pillars doesn't even make sense because guys will just shoot in the windows, right? The bad guy will just shoot in the windows. And I'm like, that's like saying, don't wear your vest, patrol guy. Right. Because bad guys just going to shoot you in your face, your legs, your hands or your dick. Right. I mean, it, it 
use what's immediately available, right? I'm not saying camp out there, but that, that it just doesn't even make sense. But yeah. I was say, we're, we're not talking about, okay, I'm invincible here. And if I get yeah. behind this little thin pillar, there is absolutely no way this guy's ever going to shoot me. I'm in this little safe pocket right now. I'm in a safe place. There's nothing can touch me. You know, that that's not what you're saying. That's not what we're talking about. And we're talking about, hey, in the absence, either I can be behind air or I can be behind something that potentially stops bullets. And if I'm moving around a vehicle, I can systematically keep myself but or keep the one of these things that that stop bullets between me and that person who's trying to shoot me with bullets. Uh, it just well, makes that's sense. exactly that's exactly it. I mean, it's more than just okay. Hey, there's pillars, right? We show guys how to systematically use, um, you know, use the structural integrity of the vehicle um, to move around the vehicle. Uh, and and again, this is you know primarily law enforcement driven. Although there's a lot of tie-ins on the civilian side as well. Um, but we show guys, you know, okay, it's not just a Okay, I'm going to stand here for you know the next 30 minutes while uh, somebody works over this car. Uh, we show guys how to systematically work the work the vehicle, right? We look at you know UCR data, which is uh, uniform uh, uh, crime reporting. Uh, so it's all the stats for all the Austin Wolf shootings across the nation. So we look at that. We look at other things that have been published, like the ambushes on officers, you know the SOP nines, things like that. We take a look at a ton of video diagnostics, right? So we literally have thousands of Austin Wolf shootings saved, uh, specifically related to vehicles, right? Saved on terabytes. And guys are like, well, you know, there's not a lot of consistency on, um, on shootings with cars and things like that. Or you'll hear guys say the only consistency is inconsistency with vehicle ballistics. And I'm like, yeah, if you've shot five cars, right. But once you start shooting 500, um, we start to see patterns and the same thing for, uh, vehicle engagements with officers is that they are, um, we start to see very, very common patterns and themes arise, right? Um, we start getting in the human element or the human factor side of it. So we start doing that. We do sims, you know, low light, force on force, and your shooter, things, all, all that kind of stuff. But uh, um, statistically, uh, officers are more likely to get into a shooting um, in or around a vehicle than a structure uh, when we look at the data. So um, I think that it's kind of wrong way thinking. Um, our, our line of work, my line of work, has it very backward. Uh, and I've worked at a couple of different police academies and uh, we treat, we treat the vehicles very advanced, right? So everyone comes out of the academy knowing how to uh, clear a, a structure, right? Um, but, but it's like, oh, but if you want to do the vehicle stuff, you know, you're going to have to have some time on or get to a specialty unit or that's an advanced class. Um, but my thought is like, if you know how to clear a room, you should know how to clear a car, right? If you know how to work a house, you should know how to uh, work a vehicle. And um, that's just simply not being done, right? A lot of the stuff that we're doing um, in regards to felony traffic, felony felony uh, car stops or high-risk traffic stops, um, you know, and, and just general traffic stops and vehicle work in and of itself. And law enforcement hasn't changed in like 40 years, right? Everything else has changed, right? Um, the, the, the equipment that we use has changed. The uh, way we, we the way we process and, and prosecute crime has changed. The way it, um, the way we dress has changed, right? Uh, well, for, for for a lot of us, if you're if you're a traditionalist, if you're like a trooper. Uh, I just got done with the Michigan State Police uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think their stuff's changed you know, in the last hundred years. But uh, they're very very into the tradition. But but when we look at uh, buildings, right, the way we clear structures has changed. But the only thing that really hasn't changed 
equals um, from a tactic standpoint. We're still doing stuff the way we did it, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And um, it's uh, it's not working, you know. You haven't reinvented fighting around vehicles. You've just provided a system for fighting around vehicles. There's a systematic approach to gathering information and using cover and putting bullets on bad guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people have been people have been gunfighting around cars for a long time, uh, way before I was alive, right? Uh, and uh, what we're doing is we're just putting all the data together and taking a look at, at best practices from a law enforcement standpoint and saying, okay, this is this is how we've been doing it, but this is what the data shows. Um, then we deconstruct the car, so we build the build the tactics based off the ballistics, the, uh, the statistics, you know, the human factor, which we see a lot of with the force on force. Um, and then we build a, you know, build the taxes based off of that. And we've had, um, we've had a really good success with it. In fact, we had two officers, um, just this, this week within 48 hours of each other, uh, got in a gun around cars. They had, they had been, uh, they'd been through the BCQB program, um, that, that agencies were running in house. So I hadn't, I hadn't personally had them in class. I didn't have the privilege of having them in class, but they went through their department's in-service class, which I had set up and, uh, yeah, credited that to, you know, to them being live. And we've had a number of those um, happen. So it shouldn't have to, right? I mean, that's, it sucks. That's the kind of, that's the kind of, it's, it's like buying um, flooding insurance and then having to, and then having to use it, right? You, no one wants their house flooded, but uh, it's always nice to uh, be prepared when the day comes, right? Oh, absolutely. That's why I think people listen to the show. That's why they, they go train and go spend their hard-earned dollars on getting better, uh, whether they're civilian, uh, military, or law enforcement officers. You know, they're the ones who go out and get the extras because they, uh, they're they doing that, exactly same, the same thing. They're buying that insurance, you know, to hopefully solve a problem when that problem presents itself, I guess you could say. So you said something in our class that uh, I was really interested in because it's something that I, that I preach, I guess, uh, say pretty often. I'm a believer in, in compartmentalizing tasks. We find that every single time that, that we have, especially complex tasks or tasks under stress, when we compartmentalize those tasks, they often get accomplished faster and more efficiently. Can can you talk a little bit about your uh, your thoughts on that and how you explain that? Yeah. So, you know, when we take a look at, um, you know, and, and again, it's, it's, it's not, it's not new to me. Right. Uh, but what we, I agree hundred percent with you. Right. So the best way to eat an elephant, right. Is one bite at a time. We, we generally tend to see is that, um, people that show up to, and I'll use, I'll use an example, right. So for a long time, I was an FTO and guys would show up to a domestic or something like that and, uh, be overwhelmed, right. It's an overwhelming experience the first time you're there. Um, and, what they were trying to do is they were trying to take one full solution and solve it in one fell swoop. But that's, that's certainly not the case, right? So you have to start itemizing it, right? Okay. Is the scene secure? All right. It is right. Um, we need to separate parties. Okay, cool. We need to get witness statements out. We need to, we need to identify the aggressor. You know what I mean? So you have like whatever your, whatever your department little ticks are, right? But you can't do all that at once, right? So you have to kind of, you kind of have to delineate the, the tasks and find out what the priority is and attack that first. And uh, that's exactly what we see uh, in complex engagements. And I say complex when we start looking at, you know, seventy um, percent uh, of all all uh, LE engagements are in a reduced lighting setting, right? So we see a high number of officer-involved engagements around vehicles have um, have the officers getting shot, right? So somebody's getting tagged, right? Uh, to, to say that I'm going to get involved in the shooting and not get tagged is is uh, 
is pretty unrealistic. Um, so we expect, we expect, right? We expect or know through data that the officer is going to at least sustain some shrapnel or minor things like that, things that we want them to fight for. Um, we know that a bulk of the engagements occur around vehicles. So, you know, no one thing is a problem, but we start, we start compounding these. So now you're, now you're working around other people. You have two weapon systems. You are doing it in low light and your left hand doesn't work and you're in a, you're in a Walmart parking lot, right? So what we were trying to get guys to do is instead of conquer the world, right? Just say, okay, what is, what is the priority out of all these tasks? What is the priority? And then solve that and then delineate again. And what is the priority? Solve that. And then go through the task list again. What is the priority and solve that? And, you know, um, usually the tasks are pretty simple, but people get uh, saturated on either trying to solve everything at once or they get uh, they get saturated with, excuse me, a task that's not a task that's not a priority. Right. So the difference between amateur hour and what we would expect out of trained professionals is that you can delineate between what is a task and what is a priority, right? And just kind of push everything to the side uh, because there's only so many things you can do at once, right? Especially when we're dealing with um, austere, you know, environments like that. And again, you have to realize that the average engagement for, you know, uh, either the armed citizen or law enforcement, the average, right, is high intensity, short duration, close distance, right? So, there are a lot of things vying for your attention, but we have to work. We're, we're solving a rather complex problem in a very compressed amount of time. Right? So that's that's what we're trying to get guys to do. What do you think is the, the most important thing that you do that provides them with that? Not the systematic approach of fighting around the vehicle, but the systematic approach of solving problems under stress, because that's what we're doing. You know, and, and the, the, some of the skills and the things that they learn from using cover around a vehicle would apply to using the pillar in the mall, using the planner downtown, using whatever. The same skills can apply even away from a vehicle. Well, yeah. So uh, principles of CQB. And so guys are like, well, you know, because I titled the class vehicle CQB. Right. And so it raised a lot of eyebrows um, initially. And guys are like, well, you know, CQB is not um, CQB doesn't happen around cars. It happens in a structure. And I'm like. It, it still meets the same criteria to say that CQB can't happen in a house or to say that CQB only happens in a structure and not a vehicle is like saying active, active shooter only happens in a school and not somewhere else. Right. I mean, it's, it's active killer. So when we talk about that, we talk about um, principles of CQB, right. And, and the interesting thing about it is, is that principles won't change. Uh, so like you, like you brought up, Principles of CQB remain the same, whether you're fighting in a mall, right, on an active killer, whether you are serving a warrant as a cop, whether you're um, doing CQB overseas somewhere or fighting around a car. There are some things that are never going to change. Now, the the environment may dictate certain small changes, but, you know, the big, large principles are still going to remain the same constantly. That's why they're called principles, right? That's why they're called, like, truths or, or things that, that we're trying to adhere to. Um so one of the things that I tell guys is like, listen, here's the deal. Here's the delineation of what is the priority. These are the principles that we're looking for, uh, looking for you to adhere to, right? How you execute them is on you. Um, and we really try to push problem solving from day one, right? So guys are like, oh man, I can shoot, I can shoot fast, right? And I tell guys like, anyone can do this, right? Anyone. Um, 
you know, and that seems to be all the craze, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with shooting, right? Uh, there's nothing wrong with accurately. It'll make uh, you insta famous. It's like when I was, what's that? It'll make you insta famous. Yeah, it will. It will. It's um, it's like um, so I ran the firearms program at the academy for a while, right? And uh, we had a couple of instructors that were very proud of how fast they could shoot, right? And um, the thing is, the thing, the thing, what I told them, right? So I was the lead and, and everything kind of rose and fell on me. Uh, the thing that I told them is like, you know, being proud that you can shoot fast as an instructor at the academy is like being proud that you know your ABCs in the fifth grade, right? Congratulations. Everyone can shoot fast. Everyone here is a good shooter, right? Um I'm not really looking for, I'm not interested in, in somebody that can do this. Like anyone that's got a working finger can pull, pull a trigger, right? I mean, little kids indeed um, with their parents gun every year, right? So even a little small child can pull a trigger. Um, I'm not looking for somebody that can pull a trigger. I'm looking for somebody that can problem solve. Right. And, um, and that's really where, that's really where it comes down to, right? Everyone can pull a trigger. So that we try to we try to build that from day one. Um, depending on how many days we have depends on how complex the math the equation gets. Right, full math equation like, hey, give me three rounds from Neil. Super easy, right? And then it uh, becomes more and more complex, and the, the math problem becomes longer and longer and longer, right? Because we don't start off by doing algebra; we start off by doing by knowing our numbers, right? And then adding and subtracting and things like that. So um, the same principle is there. We just try to um, get uh, guys and gals to problem solve, and that's really where it's at. It's it's about being able to take information in, compute it, and then you know make it make it go from there. Hey, how did you find out all this stuff, man? How, how did you how did you figure this stuff out and turn it into a class? Um, watch a lot of YouTube. Yep. No. <laughs> so if you're trying to think outside the norm. Um, Continuing to ingest uh, the, the status quo is, is usually ill-advised, right? Um, so when I started working on the vehicle ballistics, I really just took a bunch of cards and started shooting them. And I know that sounds kind of retarded and kind of redneck, but uh, just from a data collection standpoint, right? So when you came to the class, you saw it was very controlled, right? Um, we're not looking to just fill the car with as many holes as we are. We're looking to collect data, right? So it took a long time. Um, just shot a lot of cars, did a lot of study, did a lot of reading, and I still do. Um, talking to auto manufacturers, reviewing video, right? So, uh, and then there's tons of studies out there, man. There's so many, so much, so many good points of information that are publicly accessible. And then some that are, you know, that are a little more secure, Um but uh, so many great things out there that are that are available, and everyone wants to everyone wants to do instructor shit until it's time to do instructor shit, right? And so I think a lot of people think that a, you know that it's um, that a bulk of our time is spent in front of other people teaching, right? Um, but that's certainly not the case. Uh, a bulk of my time, um, although I travel a lot now, a bulk of my time is still spent rewriting material, developing new drills reading new studies that are coming out, um, doing new ballistics. In fact, we filmed three new, um, three new ballistic demos that we did today that I, I just started rolling out in the last couple of classes. So I've got a, uh, VSQB instructor, um, private page on, uh, on the Facebooks, right? So I dump for, for, um, 
those that had previously attended uh, used to be instructor. I dump new content, new videos, new pictures, new things that I'm working on on there. So it's just a way to keep dudes current, you know. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that, right? And having worked on the academy side for a long time, I think a lot of people don't realize the amount of back end that's done for the small time that you see the person standing up and, and teaching. It should be, right? Should that's not be. always the case. Yes. Should be. So, um, but yeah, so in our, in our classes, we do a lot of, a lot of looking at data and video diagnostics and, and, um, you know, that, that's important. Right. And so like I told, I told them today, we did five hours worth of ballistics today. And, and I, and I tell guys this, like, I know not every cops or I know that not every firearms instructor has, you know, ballistics at the top of their list. Right. I realize that that's not everyone's jam, but what I tell them is that by virtue of the fact that you are a cop and you are a firearms instructor and you've put yourself through this class by virtue of the fact that you're a instructor uh, by default, ballistics are now your jam. Does that make sense? Like I have, I mean, I think a lot of people think that cops are gun people, but they're really not, um, not at all. And, uh, and I don't know if, you know if that's, if that's the case on the military side, but uh, you know, you have your, you have your niche, you have your, your group. That's, that's very, uh, very orientated, the guns, but I think, you know, bulk of law enforcement are not gun people at all. And, uh, um, they say, well, you know, I'm not really a gun person. I'm like, I understand that. But by virtue of the fact that you elected to do this job, right? No one held it. No one held, held you at gunpoint and forced you to become a cop. You chose this, right? And so by virtue of the fact that you chose to be uh, a law enforcement officer in whatever capacity that is, you by now def- are defaulting to being a gun person. Does that that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I'm not really a gun person. I'm just a staying alive person. Right? I, so I, I don't I'm the that. same way. I'm not. I'm not a really big gun person. I'm a training person. No, yeah, I'm a staying alive person. I agree with that. Like uh, I, I don't get off to to guns. You know, I'm not going to go to the bathroom here in a few minutes with a coil magazine or anything. No, you have a DVD that was filmed and edited by the gentleman we had on the most previous episode of Gunfighter Cast, Matt Stagliano with Firelance Media. Is that correct? Yes, man. I love that dude. Where can they dude get awesome. it? Where can they? Where can the listeners see more and learn more about what we just talked about and you and your system? Uh, where can they get that DVD? Yeah, so uh, we have a two-hour uh, full-length uh Sounds kind of weird saying full length, but uh, I guess that's what they call it these days. Yeah, uh, we have a two-hour, we have a two-hour uh, uh, video. For the record, uh, I'm really surprised that this episode has been as clean as it has been because people generally digress when they speak to William Petty, uh, and I am often guilty. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's uh, it's all all scuttlebutt, all lies. The whole mom jokes and and uh, profanity that is not. I don't even know. I don't even know who what they who or what they are talking about. Um, but when we look at uh, oh yeah, Vimeo, um, I was about to hop off onto ballistics or something. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so Vimeo, we have a two-hour uh, full-length uh, video that was uh, filmed and edited by Matt Sagliano of Firelands Media. Phenomenal, right? So it's more it's more in the vein of a documentary. Um, the cats from Breach Bank Clear came and took the class, right? Um, and they actually were taking the class for the first time. And so we filmed it up at uh, 88 Tactical in Takama. And uh, amazing facility up there. And they um, they uh, they went through the class. Matt, Matt Saglano did a great job. He and his girlfriend, Nora, um, who is also 
the videographer, uh, professional videographer, uh, filmed it in the documentary style, which was pretty cool, you know, uh, and it, you know, chronicles the class going through um, three days of BCQB, right? So we get into ballistics and positional work and then the application of those two. And that's really what it's about, right? It's about what does the car do, right? And how can we use that if we have no other options, right? Um, and then it gets into teamwork and working around others. And, you know, a lot of civilians are like, well, you know, I don't know that like my, my wife or my husband or my significant other or whoever doesn't carry a firearm. So it would just be me doing whatever. But they don't understand that it doesn't. They don't the have to be fighting. To They're still there. Yes. Right. So the ability to work around others, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your mom and dad, maybe it's your friends who don't carry, maybe it's your family who doesn't carry. Um, or, or maybe they do, right? Um, or maybe you're working around a cop. You're you're in an active shooter, and you and a cop are paired up in a mall, uh, or a uh, you know movie theater, or, or you're paired up with another. You know, you just happen chance run into another armed citizen. So it's uh, the ability to work around other people. And again, that kind of comes back to the problem solving, right? Um, just layering that that onion. But yeah, it's on Vimeo. It's uh, entitled BCQB, right? Um, and, and I think it's available streaming. We can't allow it to be downloaded because of ITAR, so it, it has a U.S. only restriction. And I know that really, really upsets some uh, Brits and some Canadians. And I've, I've been up to Canada a couple of times and, and have run classes over there, um, approved by the State Department, but run them for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. For whatever reason, uh, they came back on the uh, on the video and they're like, "Hey, that's a no go on uh, anything outside the U.S." So I'm like, okay, so that's why it's uh, streaming only. But yeah. Pay for it, and it is uh, streaming only. I will make sure I have a link to that in the show notes, so you guys can just check that out and click it, go buy it, download it. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. William, man, thanks for thanks for joining me after you're spending the day on the, the hot range down there in Corpus Christi. Or Corpus Crispy. Is that right? Corpus Crispy? Dude, it's, it's actually close, man. So it is November, what is it? November 7th. And it was 85 degrees on the range today. 85. It's November, bro. Uh, it was ridiculous, man. So, um, and, and humid, right? Because we're right on the coast. But uh, no, great dudes down here doing good work. Uh, phenomenal range. Um, and doing this with the, uh, the TTPOA, which is the Texas Tactical Peace Officers Association. So classes are listed on 88tactical.com. Uh, amazing facility up there in Nebraska. And, uh, um, everyone's always like, oh man, 88, you mean like Heil Hitler? And I'm like, no, it's, no. it's, uh, they're, they're, they're a Nebraska based company, uh, founded by, uh, by cops and, and uh, some, some SF cats. And, uh, they, um, 88, 88 there or signal 88 means just all secure, right? So they kind of started off as a, um, as a local thing and then just exploded, uh, onto the national scene. So, uh, no, no racist there, just, just what it is as far as, uh, um, the, uh, being all secure. <laughs> yeah, they'll <laughs> got it. Yeah. All right, awesome, William. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, always a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of months in Vegas. William, I'm William Petty, Gunfighter Cast out.